isn't it nice when something that the priest says on a Sunday homily sticks with you? That happened to me last Sunday when we celebrated the Feast of All Souls. Our pastor reminded us that when St. John Paul II died, people gathered in St. Peter's Square with signs reading Santo Subito. It means Saint Now. Our pastor then said that this is the prayer that we should have for all souls in purgatory, Santo Subito. When we pray for them, we are praying that they be made saints now, as soon as possible. And if there is anything that we can do to hasten that process, please let us know. We'd love to help. Can I offer a little bit of my own suffering in order to help in their purification? We want our friends and relatives to get to heaven as soon as possible. I was deeply moved when I heard that. That will be my prayer from now on. And then I was reminded of Brittany Maynard, the 29-year-old who ended her life on November 1st, Feast of All Saints. Brittany had stage 4 brain cancer. She was diagnosed in early January and was given six months to live. She moved to Oregon so she could benefit from the Death with Dignity Act, a law that allowed her the choice of a doctor-assisted end to her own life. In an interview with People magazine last month, she said that the cancer was going to kill her and that it was a terrible way to die. She also said that this wasn't suicide. I'm not killing myself, she said. The cancer is killing me. This, of course, is reopening the slippery slope debate because of her age. Part of me wants to go into all the reasons why euthanasia and assisted suicide is wrong and why the slippery slope can never be avoided. But today, I can't stop thinking about Santo Subito. Today, my prayer for terminally ill people is Santo Subito. Can God still bring Brittany Maynard into heaven? I'd like to think so. And so, I will continue to pray sainthood now, as soon as possible for her and for all souls who still need some refining work to do before coming home to the Father. We are told that it's good to pray for the dead, but why wait? How about we also start working towards sainthood now for all those we come into contact with in our daily living, for all those who are still alive? I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. Welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. First off, we have a winner, Angelo Dom. Angelo Dom, you've won a copy of last week's featured album, I Am The Way, by Craig Colson. If you haven't contacted us yet, please do so, so we can get you your prize. Angelo Dom got this prize because he's been visiting our Facebook page and that's all you have to do to receive a prize. You can also reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter, Deacon Pedro. If you prefer, you can also sign up at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio for a chance to win our weekly prizes. Today, Sister Marie Paul Curley returns to talk about a young adult action-adventure sci-fi dystopian movie. Did I just give it away? That's in about 15 minutes, just after Alicia's News and Andrew's Saint of the Week. In our second half hour, we'll be talking about the Middle East. I'm sure that everyone has heard about ISIS or ISIL or IS and what all that entails. Today, we will learn about how this new threat has been affecting Christians in Syria and Iraq and what we can do to help. So we'll be speaking with Carl Atu of the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. After that, 
we'll be speaking to a very talented 19-year-old who goes by the name of Mags. Maggie Wong was our featured artist when she was just 15 years old, and it's so good to have her back on the show and play music from her latest album. So why don't we do just that? Here's Mags with Not Changing from her album Mismatched. How can such a beautiful sky look a world underneath? I got my fertile ground thrive, it's being crushed down the grass. Cause you in the morning, because the buildings block it from seeing the sun rising. When will it end? The selves keep taking, the rich keep on earning, the poor keep on starving, the world keeps denying. The difference stay away and they can't quit trying. Christians are praying the why and they not I got artists crying to stop To think a minute Is there no solution To end this violence When will it end? The sun keep taking The rich keep on earning The poor keep on starving The world keeps denying The damn stay away The can't quit trying Mags with Not Changing from her album Mismatched. And we're going to be speaking with Mags in our second half hour and in about 10 minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, Alicia is here with our news. Hello, I'm Alicia. Back. Yes. And there's lots, well, there's lots to talk about. Pope yes, Francis. The Holy F- he's going somewhere. He's going he's places. doing and saying and going and all kinds of stuff. Where's he going? So he's going to Turin, uh-huh. Torino, to see the Holy Shroud. The Shroud, really? It's actually a double whammy. He's going to see the shroud, and the shroud is normally on display, on exhibition, once every 10 years. Uh But since the year 2000, it's already been on display three times. So this, again, is one of these extraordinary expositions of the shroud that the Pope requested. Uh And he is going June 21st. He's also going to celebrate the 200th anniversary of the birth of St. John Bosco, the founder of the Salesians. In Torino. In Torino, okay. yes. Um, the Salesians were founded in Torino. John Bosco was from Torino. working. Okay, with, he worked with that. the street kids in uh-huh, Torino, and yeah. that's why he started the printing press yeah. 
to um, to give them a skill, to teach them a skill, yeah. among other things, and really became the model for working with youth in yes. our church. Yeah. So Pope Francis is going to oh, good. commemorate that anniversary and visit the Holy Shroud. There is a website, sindone.org, S-I-N-D-O-N-E dot org. Sindone. Sindone is the Italian word for shroud. Oh, In Italian, okay. it's called l'extensione della sindone. Sindone. Yeah, la ah, santa sindone. Ah, okay. And, of course, you need to book in advance. It's free to visit the shroud, but you must book in advance because they control how many people go through at any given time. Okay, so hold on. So the ho- this is June 21st, 2015. Yes. When is the exi- this extraordinary it's from exhibit? from April to the end of June. Okay, great. From April 15th, I believe, till about June 29th. Right. And now just to clarify, because I know this, the church has not said either way, whether it's a, the That's veracity, right. whether it's real or not. But if it leads people, as, as any sacramental, if it leads people to get closer to Christ, then that's great. Then and, why not? And people yes. can, can have and a personal devotion. And Pope Francis devotion. is not the first pope who no, has gone to venerate the shroud or pray before the shroud. Yes. Now, the next thing that came up this week, um, much awaited in many circles, the new constitution, the new statutes for the legionaries of Christ right. were finally approved. Mm-hmm. There was a first draft made up earlier this year, uh, back in January, February, when they had a general chapter. And that's those constitutions were not accepted by the Vatican. The Vatican mm. made a series of recommendations and actually asked for some specific changes. Right. Um, among them, the statutes referred to Renium Christi, which mm-hmm. is the lay branch. Mm-hmm. But Renium Christi is in the process of revising its own statutes and they're basically looking at how the two organizations, how the lay branch can have more autonomy from mm-hmm. the priests, mm-hmm. um, just for practical reasons. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things. It was also pointed out that the original statutes did not make any reference, directly or indirectly, to any of the church documents on consecrated life. Interesting. So that was a that was a big factor that the Vatican wanted mm-hmm. changed. And, of course, they've laid out... Um, guidelines for how to structure authority in the order and how long a superior should be in power. Right. And one of the recommendations there was that a superior should not be a confessor or a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. It just blurs yeah. too many lines. Yeah, of course. So that, so just to clarify, so then the Constitution is proposed by the congregation themselves and yes. the Vatican either approves or not. Exactly. But and it's been approved. It's been approved. And okay. in this case, the Vatican had created a small um, delegation from the Congregation for Religious Life yeah. to help yeah. formulate. Exactly. Help them get there. Okay, good. Now, lastly, I don't want to let you go before. So the Holy Father on Wednesday said something to the bishops or about the bishops. He said a lot of things. What did he say? He spoke about how Christ did not call the apostles to separate, to be separate. He Mm -hmm. called them to be in communion with him, in Mm -hmm. unity with him. And he said that's the same thing with the bishops. They are meant to be a family, a communion around the Holy Father, mm-hmm. and the Holy Father is supposed to be the, the guarantor, the custodian mm-hmm. of that communion. Interesting. And he said, that's what we saw at the Synod. Then he went a step further, and he said, just like Christ, bishops are here to serve, not to be served. Mm-hmm. And if you have any inkling of a worldly mentality going on in you, if you are thinking that you're going to be a bishop because it's the next step in your career, yes. forget it. 
there's no room for that in this church. Yes. So some very strong words um, that a lot of faithful wanted to hear. Yeah, well, that's good. Thank you very much. Lots of updates. I guess people can get more details on these stories at Vatican Connections. Alicia, um, your show, Vatican Connections, on every Friday night on Salt and Light Television, but also people can watch it on demand at saltandlighttv.org. And, and on Roku. And on Roku, exactly, because every, everything's there now. Um, and we can also follow you at Vati Connections. That's right. Hello, friends. This is Colin Ray, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my friend, Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me at deaconpedro.com and also on Facebook. Search for Deacon Pedro, and my Twitter handle is at deaconpedrogm. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Hey, Pedro, how are it's you? It's so good to I have you. I can't help but like dance to this music. It's it, awesome. It, it's good to have you in the studio Absolutely. with us, not on the Thank phone. Thank you for having me. Good. Thanks for Thank driving you. downtown. I can't believe we're already talking about Christmas. We are already talking about Goodness not gracious. yet. Advent. Not yet. Advent is coming. We got to prepare for Jesus before. Okay, but that doesn't mean you have a Christmas. Saint. No, no, no. That's coming soon. When we have our special Christmas show. Uh, we will look at some special Saint, Christmas okay, saints, so but today in particular, we're going to look at Saint Josephat. Joseph, absolutely, Josephat. Saint Josephat. Never you're, heard of him. Yeah, you're going to hear uh, everything there's to know about him. Okay. 1964, um, uh, back when Pope Paul VI um, was in reign, newspaper photos um, came to surface of him embracing the Orthodox Patriarch of Constantinople, yeah. which is present day yes. um, Istanbul. Yeah. Uh, that marked a significant step toward the healing of a division. In, in Christianity yes. that lasted centuries. Okay, let's look at exactly who Josaphat is. So in 1595, when Josaphat was just a boy, the Orthodox Bishop of present-day Belarus, which is in um, Eastern Europe, okay. uh, and five other bishops representing millions of Ruthenians, mm-hmm. they sought full friendship, full reunion with Rome. So Josaphat, uh, before he was given that name in religious life. His name was John Kunsevich. Uh-huh. And he was dedica- uh, he dedicated his life um, basically to, you know, the church, and he died for that same cause. So born in Ukraine, he went to work in Wilno and was influenced by clergy who were adhering to the union of Brest. Mm-hmm. That was in 1596. Um, interestingly enough, he became a Basilian monk. Hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, then a priest, and he was well known as a preacher and um, an affluent ascetic. He became the Bishop of Vitebsk, which is in Belarus, at a relatively young age, and he faced a very difficult and hard situation Mm -hmm. with where he was. Most monks, fearing interference in liturgy and customs, did not want union with Rome. They wanted to be at least an arm's length away. Mm -hmm. So through synods, through catechetical instruction, reform of the clergy, and personal example, um, however, Josaphat was successful in winning the greater part of the Orthodox in that area to the union. Mm -hmm. So, but the next year, um, uh, kind of like a little bit of a dissident hierarchy was set up, and his opposite number spread the accusation that Josaphat had gone Latin, and that all his people would have to do the same. So he was not at all enthusiastically supported by the Latin bishops of Poland. Uh-huh. So despite warnings, uh, he went to Vitebsk um, again in Belarus, which was an area of great trouble. Attempts were made to kind of stir up trouble, to get rid of him, to silence him, drive him out of the diocese. And a priest was sent to shout insults at him, at Josaphat, from his own courtyard. Hmm. So when Josaphat had him removed and kind of locked down in his house, the opposite, opposition ran, rang the town hall bell and a mob assembled. 
So the priest was released, but members of the mob broke into the bishop's home. He was struck with kind of like a spear-like axe, and then they shot him, and his body was thrown into the river. Nice. So it was later recovered, and interestingly enough, for any of our listeners who go to Rome, he is buried in St. Peter's Basilica. Really? Yeah. So he was the first saint of the Eastern Church to be canonized by Rome. Mm -hmm. So his death brought a movement towards Catholicism and unity, but the controversy continued, and uh, the dissidents too. They had their martyr. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had their martyr in Josaphat. So after the partition of Poland, the Russians forced most Ruthenians to join the Russian Orthodox Church. Right. So uh, we look to, I think we look to Josaphat as um, a saint for Christian unity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we celebrate the week of Christian uni- unity in January, in January usually. So, yep. you know, reading Josaphat's story, I think he's an inspiration for um, people of all different uh, Christian backgrounds. So okay. we remember him most especially this coming Wednesday, November the 12th. So St. Josephat, pray for us. Feast day, November 12th. Good saint to pray for for Christian unity. Thank you very much, Andrew. Our saint expert, Andrew Santos, is youth director at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. Hi, this is Craig Colson, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash slradio1, and when you're there, be sure to like our page. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's been it's great to be back. So, what do you have for us today? Well, you know, I really wanted to talk about a movie that I thought I wouldn't like. Uh, <laughs> dystopian novels and movies are not really my thing. Okay. Um, but I'd heard some interesting things from some young people about Divergent, so I decided oh. to see it. Okay, um, good. So, in, in this film, which is, it is a dystopian uh, novel uh, that's been adapted into film, mm-hmm. the civilized world of the future is reduced to the city of Chicago, where its citizens are divided into five factions, mm-hmm. each of which is based on a virtue and has a particular role to carry out in society. So we've got the dauntless, or the courageous, mm-hmm. we've got the erudition, which is, uh, you know, learning or wisdom, we've got abnegation for the selfless, Amity for the for those who are kind and candor for the truthful. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and every every young person who comes of age takes an aptitude test to find out what virtue they're more inclined towards, what faction they're inclined towards, and then they the next day they get to choose which faction they want to join. So, uh, Deacon Pedro, if you were going to choose a faction, which <sighs> virtue would you choose? You know, wow, put me on the spot. I I, I must <laughs> say no, but I must say that I, I'm sure that everybody is like me, that we all watch the movie and we're all thinking, which one would I choose? Because there's this whole scene of, of choosing. Um, I, I would not choose either. I'm a divergent. Oh, that's a great answer. I am. Um, I'm not. How can you choose <laughs> one of one of virtue? Uh, the virtues really don't always 
you know, they don't always work completely on their own. No. And, you know, for us as viewers, when we step back, of course, we know that a person would fit or would be more inclined to more than one virtue. Mm-hmm. But this is a big secret in the society in this in this uh, dystopian world. And it's a big surprise to the main character, who's named Beatrice P- Pryor, mm-hmm. who was raised in abnegation, so a selfless society, and whose parents then are in the government because you have to be selfless to govern wisely. Um, But nevertheless, she's always been drawn to Dauntless, and in the end, she actually chooses Dauntless. However, in her testing, she is revealed as being, as maybe fitting, um, three different uh, factions. And she said, of course, that means she's divergent, so she fits with you, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, she needs to keep this a secret or she will be killed. Her life is in danger. So... We're off to a running start um, in this film. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a YA dystopian story kind of a person, but if you feel like you've seen them all, um, this one might be worth uh, seeing. It's, it's a mix of all, you know, of all the different elements of action, adventure, coming of age, mm-hmm. and romance uh, that works with this young adult dystopian genre. Um, the film, I would say, really does oversimplify the book. Um, especially some of the character development, and it overemphasizes action elements. I got a little tired of some of the violence and chase scenes. But it is a very powerful story uh, set in a world that's morally based. It's got sympathetic characters, and it's, and I think that the story choices are pretty dauntless themselves. They uh-huh. fit Beatrice's um, character. And the production itself was quite solid and felt very credible. So is this a windows to the soul kind of film? Um, absolutely, yes. Uh, it's, you know, it, it ultimately turns into a political and military struggle for power because it's a dystopian story. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's based on the virtues and really explores how to live different virtues and, and the fact that you need different virtues to balance each other. Otherwise, the factions tend to go to extremes, mm-hmm. um, especially erudition, which we know that learning and education can lead to pride. Um, That's the kind of a common sense thing. But even some of the other virtues, truth can be delivered so harshly that it can destroy. Uh, All of these virtues need other virtues to balance them. Uh, The film explores the virtues, especially through Beatrice's experience, a very courageous young woman who begins the film by questioning her selflessness and choosing to uh, really develop her courage. but she's constantly put in situations where the moral choice is not easy and it sometimes almost seems impossible to make. Right. And I like that about the film. It's taking the virtue and saying, what do we do when it's really, really hard to be courageous or to be selfless? Mm-hmm. So uh, the film, is, again, if you're, if you're thinking about it for younger viewers, there is violence and there's a lot of fighting because she's in a faction that does a lot with physical uh, strength. Um, but it does have a lot of depth, and it, it's a great way to begin exploring the virtues. And uh, I just, I recommend getting, you know, if you like dystopian, or even if you don't, and you want to give one dystopian story a try, this might be the one to do. Yeah, good. And, and I agree. I watched it, and I think it's good for, for uh, older tweens. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, th- there's got to, lots of really good uh, thinking of choices, moral choices in the movie. Um, so thank you. And it's part one of three, I believe, right? I think there's going to be yes, three it, films. It, it is. And there's some critics who say that the, you know, the story doesn't totally make sense. Well, you kind of have to read yeah, or watch will. the next couple ones for it to really explain itself well. So 
it's it's a thoughtful and thought-provoking choice. Okay, very good. So that's Divergent, and and it's out on on demand, and and however other Netflix or people consume their films. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and you can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Hi, this is Curtis Stephen with spiritandsong.com, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You know you can always find me on either Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro. I love hearing from you, and I love doing this show. So if you love listening to it, let me know. Even if you don't love it, but like it, let me know. And I guess even if you don't like it, let me know. Maybe we can make some improvements. I've spent the last couple of weeks contacting all your favorite Catholic artists and lining up some interviews. So in the next couple of weeks, we'll have Sal Solo, who's busy with the Buzz record promoting and encouraging new young Catholic artists. Right now, they're in the middle of their NCYC's Top Talent Teen Tour. They're going to be in the following diocese, Wilmington, Fargo, St. Cloud, San Antonio, St. Angelo. You can find out more at salsolo.com slash actsfiles, salsolo.com. Also, in the coming weeks, Janelle. Check out her new Festival of Praise Revolution at janelle.cc. Kyle Hyman. You may know him from Popple. He's got a few new projects. And Rebecca Rubion will have a Christmas album coming out this month. And we're also very excited to have Dan Shoot. Yes, the Dan Shoot. Some people say his name is Shooty. Dan Shooty, who's composed many of our most loved songs for Mass. He has a book of reflections and songs for Advent. So he'll be here with us the first week in December. So there's a sneak peek at the next month in the Salt and Light Hour. So no one's saying that we're sitting around doing nothing. Also a reminder that the 20% offer for the new parish evangelization study video series, The Church Alive, is still available. If you want to benefit from this offer, The Church Alive is great for any adult parish study or for a university class. Just go to saltandlighttv.org store and use the promo code ALIVE20, ALIVE20, and that will give you a 20% discount. Don't delay. This is an offer that you don't want to miss. Okay, so coming up in our second half hour, what's really happening in the Middle East and a featured chat with singer-songwriter Mags, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, if you're in Canada, every day for the last month, we've heard in the news about our military involvement in the war against ISIS. You may even be confused about ISIS. Is it ISIS, ISIL, IS, Islamic State? Who are they? Where did they come from? What do they want? What we don't hear in the news is how Christians are suffering in Iraq and Syria. And also, we don't hear a lot about what we can do to help. So to tell us more, I'm now joined by Carl Atu. He is the Canadian Director for the Catholic Near East Welfare Association. That's the papal agency that supports the churches and the people of the Middle East, North Africa, India, and Eastern Europe. Carl, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Carl, first, can you clarify for our listeners, what is, I, I guess I'm going to call them IS? Who are they? Yeah, IS, uh, you know, uh, the Islamic State, I think, is what everybody's using now, and I think we should uh, just stick with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, that group uh, emerged, uh, of course, 
uh, in a brutal way in front of our TV screens mm. or iPad or whatever means we're using to um, to see the brutality and the uh, strong emergence uh, over the summer, right? like uh, last June and all. Right. And, and suddenly it seems the world was saying, what is this ISIS? Uh, well, just to uh, go back a bit fur- further down in the past, we've known about ISIS for over a year. Mm-hmm. They were in Syria. They were in northern Syria. They were already taking control of cities where Christians and other minorities were being told to leave or to convert. Um, there's many accounts of that, but the world stayed uh, mute, as if as if that was just another bunch of stuff happening in Syria. Right. Uh, we have a belly full of the people fighting between one another, but they've been there. And if we would have dealt with them mm-hmm. a year ago, maybe we would not be in that trouble today. So they call themselves Islamic State. Do they consider themselves to be a, a political state? That's exactly what they want. They, their, their purpose, and it's a coalition of different groups, mm-hmm. of different tribes, different rebel groups, some say they evolved from Al-Qaeda. Uh-huh. Some others say it's more like villages of, of tribes that had enough with uh, Shiites, which is the other Muslim grouping and, and other groups. Mm-hmm. And, and so many people kind of decided to create this coalition that became the Islamic State with one particular leader. It is a Sunni-based, but a very radical a very fundamentalist approach to Sunni uh, uh, Islam. And so they decided that they would impose, because they knew that nobody would like to see an Iraq or Syria to be reorganized. So Mm -hmm. they equipped themselves, the military, they have a lot of support from the outside, but also they manage by gaining control of cities to steal goods, money, gold, weapons, uh, infrastructures, medicine, uh, bullets, everything you want to build their capacity to impose themselves in a very strong fashion. So over a year, they got uh, themselves prepared for this year, and that's how they invaded uh, Iraq in a forcely uh, fashion, and they declared, this is now the territory we occupy. It is now a new caliphate mm-hmm. for the Islamic State. Mm-hmm. And so as it should be, and we invite the world, Muslims, to join us in this fight to create this nest, if you want, of the pure Islamic kind of way life should be. And so that's that's what they, they, they're, right. they're claiming. And many people around the world are, are going there fighting with them. Right. So if, if you're not Muslim... Uh, well, uh, we can talk about that, too, because I know that they, yep. they're also killing Muslims. But so this is affecting Christians in a particular way. It is because wherever they are, uh, in any city, they will conquer. Uh, The rule is, here's our teaching, Mm -hmm. here's our ideology. And if you don't fit into this ideology, uh, if you do not convert. So if you're not a Muslim, to start with, Mm -hmm. just the basic. So if you're a Yazidi, uh, the sect group that lives in Iraq uh, for over uh, 2,000, 3,000 years, or you're Christian, of course, uh, you're the first victim because uh, you need to convert or you will be exterminated. Mm-hmm. That's as simple as that. They say you'll pay a tax, but that's that's a kind of a uh, allure. There's no tax. It's you you convert you, or you get out. Or you get and out. That's or you get out, and that's a bit what's been happening. So, na- uh, sorry, I was yeah, going to ask you about just. The, is it fair to say that the Christian population in Iraq and Syria has been decimated? Like there are none left. Well, uh, they they in Iraq. 
uh, over the last 10 years or so, we saw the Iraqi Christian yeah. population going down from over 1 million to last year 300,000. Uh -huh. What we've uh, heard, uh, and people have left, many have been killed, but the grand majority have basically left Iraq, right. forced to leave Iraq. Yes. Uh, now, in the last year, we say there's about 150 to 200,000. Uh -huh. Out of that, there's about 150,000 that are on the run. Uh -huh. okay? In Iraq. The, in Iraq. And so that means they are uh, displaced in Iraq, or right. they are refugees in uh -huh. Turkey, in Jordan, yes. in Lebanon. Yes. And so, so the situation of the Christians of Iraq is really, really bad, because there's only maybe 50,000 Mm -hmm. uh, in Baghdad or Kirkuk or Erbil that have not been displaced, but their bags are ready in case the ISIS is coming to their town. Right. And so so uh, it is a bad situation for the Christians. In Syria, it's a bit different because the ISIS is fighting with other rebel groups that are also Islamic, right. that are fighting against the Assad Syrian yes. regime. And there are a multitude of groups, some say over a thousand different groups of uh, different rebels groups that are fighting Assad and also fighting one another. Mm -hmm. Many mm -hmm. decided to join the ISIS, and that's why the ISIS, we hear in the news uh, now that they are in the northern part of Syria, the yes. part where the Syrian regime uh, is no longer controlling. And mm -hmm. so it's a battle between ISIS and other rebel groups, and now, of course, with uh, some local, like the Kurds, like the Sekabuni near Turkey, yeah. uh, where there's this uh, war uh, that is uh, happening now. But the Christians in this whole region basically have left. Uh, they uh, they are not welcome there. So they're not. And so I got this. I got testimony from priests uh, and Christians where where as soon a year ago, a year ago when the ISIS came there and took control, they were told the same thing as in Mosul last June: if you do not convert. Right. Uh, you know, we will take care of you. And, and the people left. Yeah. They left. So the job, yeah. the job of, of Kanewa, the Catholic Near East Welfare uh, Agency, is to support the Christians in the Middle East, among other places. So what, yes. can, what can you do? What have you been doing? Well, the, uh, our job is, is to, to, to walk with the Christians, is to walk with the Church, is to ensure that there's a, uh, an historical presence uh, continues. Uh, Christians have been there before Islam, mm -hmm. uh, over 2,000 years ago now, and they've been living with Muslims for the last 1,400 years. And mm -hmm. it's been good times, bad times. Right now, there's good and bad, because many Muslims are also affected by this. And so there's great stories of Muslims and Christians together that are working for a better world. And Kenewa is working with the local church, um, many, uh, many uh, religious uh, sisters, I'll uh, give you the, the example of the Dominican sisters of Iraq, uh -huh. who were kicked out of Mosul, who are refugees in their own countries, and are working in 25 different dispensaries helping refugees. Wow. And uh, this is like amazing. So we help them. We we fundraise money in North America, in the United States, and in Canada in particular. We also work with them. They tell us what the needs are, and we will support the, the medicine level, uh, a lot of housing that is required, and other needs, clothing, soaps, hygiene, right. I mean, you know, and all those things. So so we work directly with the local church, with the lo yeah. they have great leadership, to ensure that they go through this crisis. And once the crisis is over, we will help them to reestablish themselves in their old villages or wherever they will be. Mm -hmm. and so so it's ready to accompany them wherever they are to to continue to be a vibrant church, even though it go it's going through really hardship right now. And, right. and that's why we're helping 
helping in doing that and, and uh, hoping that the people of North America will help us right. through that. Well. So obviously you need money, but other than money, and, and we're going to tell people how they can donate, uh, is there yeah. any other anything else that we in North America can do to support the work of Kanewa and the Christians in the Middle East? Yes, I think one way is um, to tell our respective governments mm -hmm. uh, in Canada, in the United States, that of course, and I think the Pope has spoken on this, we you cannot uh, you cannot go within uh, without impunity when you kill people when you destroy cities and culture and and everything else you cannot go without impunity you, you know you ca you can't do that and so it is a good thing that we there's a kind of coalition trying to stop the atrocities that the islamic state is doing at the mm -hmm. same time though let's not forget that this whole issue is a political one there needs to be a diplomatic solution to all of what's going on over there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the isis is present because the inefficiency and the weakness of the iraqi government to form a strong government instead of that the shiites and sunni have been fighting things over with the kurd and their weakness have created a space for ISIS to show up. So there needs to be a diplomatic solution as well, because once the ISIS is gone, if they are gone, uh, we need to deal with those unresolved issues, and that can only be done through diplomacy. So our own respective government needs to also, through the UN, the United Nations, and, and, uh, and the local uh, powers there, to help find a solution where there's dialogue and there's peace. Without that, there's going to be conflict and wars in the Middle East like it is in Syria right now for mm -hmm. many years to come. So I think we need to remind our government, our members of uh, senators or, or, or a member of parliament, that they need to, to be to be putting that as a priority as well. Okay. And so that's one aspect. Yeah, okay. It. Well, we're going to leave it there. Uh, it, it, I'm sure that uh, it's going to be interesting also with the Holy Father visiting Turkey at the end of the month. It's going to be draw a lot of attention to how the church can be involved and in our prayers because that's one way that we can support them. Carl, um, thank you so much for uh, bringing light to this issue. And uh, um, I encourage everyone to go visit Kanewa and uh, I'll let you know how you can do that shortly and support the work that you do. So thank you so much for being with us today, Carl. Thank you for having me. Yes. Carl Etu is the National Director for the Catholic Near East Welfare Association in Canada. You can learn more about Kanewa and how to support their work at kanewa.ca if you're in Canada and kanewa.org in the United States. So kanewa at c-n-e-w-a dot c-a in Canada and c-n-e-w-a dot o-r-g in the United States. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Mags, with Lead Me to the River from her album, Mismatched. Sure. 
That was Mags with Lead Me to the River from her album Mismatched. Four years ago, I said that it is so refreshing to hear a new voice and find new talent. And that was when Mags was just 15 years old and had just put out her Christmas jazz album. Now she's 19 and has just put out this gem of an album titled Mismatched. Mags is also working on a Kickstarter campaign for her next album, which will be The Jazz Album. So she's not sitting around being a teenager. So to tell us more, I'm now joined by Mags. Maggie, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You know what? I I was thinking, oh yeah, she's been on the show, but that was four years ago. A lot has happened. Yes, definitely. Um, What has happened? Yes. What has happened in the last four years since we last spoke? In the last four years? Uh, well, for uh, after I released my album, Mismatched, actually, uh, so it was nominated for the uh, Pop Contemporary Album of the Year yes. at the 2013 CGMA Awards. Yes. Um, and then my single, Knock, which your listeners probably just heard. It, We're going to play it after, top, yeah. Yeah, I made the top seven. Uh, on the Canadian Christian music charts, yes. um, and then yeah, I had a, I had uh, "Lead Me to the River" was another song, uh, and it was a finalist in the John Lennon songwriting contest. And so, uh, besides that, I've been pretty busy with school, um, <laughs> but you know, keep I'm trying to keep uh, music going on the side for sure. Yeah. So you're mm. in, you're 19 years old. You're in school. Uh, what do you want to do with <laughs> What do you want to do when you grow up? What do I want to do when I grow up? Um, I I think I just have to keep things open for, for God to, you know, be able to do whatever He wants. Um, I'm really not sure. I'm kind of in the stage where I'm sure a lot of other people are at, where it's just you, you aren't quite sure where you're going, um, mm-hmm. but you know that you're going somewhere, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, hopefully with my music, you know, God can do whatever He wants with it, and uh you know, we'll see where, where it goes from there. Yeah. Most 19-year-olds most have no clue <laughs> what they want to do or what they're doing. Um, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're going somewhere. Um, and most 19-year-olds aren't open to doing God's will. I, I know you come from a, a Catholic family. I know you've kind of sort of haven't been able to escape that. But how has that been for you growing up? 
Um, you never had moments of doubt or, or rebellion? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's probably one of my strong traits as a singer is that I'm, I'm like very much uh, someone who has struggled with doubt and, uh, and frustration. Um, back in, I think even before my, my first uh, pop album, I was diagnosed with depression, uh, hmm. depression disorder and anxiety, and uh, and all of high school, and even now, I mean, I'm, I'm tested in my faith, as, as I'm sure everyone is mm-hmm. in some shape or form, and so it's, it's like, music has, has been a, a way for me to, uh, to try to express my frustration, not just, you know, talking about the good times, and I... I personally believe that that music is a good a good platform for venting, you know, the frustrations that I'm sure every Christian goes through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I've definitely been struggling, you know, in my faith, and and it's always a challenge every single day uh, right. to just keep, you know, keep the faith. You know, it's mm-hmm. such a such a task. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that what "Lead Me to the River" is about? I've been listening to it and trying to figure out what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lead Me to the River. It was actually one of the last uh, songs. I had to make one more song for my album to be completed. And so usually when I songwrite, I, it just kind of comes to me and mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I, I complete the song. But this was the first one where I had to sit down and really just think about what I was going to write. And um, I guess in that way, it, it was a, a different take in songwriting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really about... It's about um, when you're struggling and, and, you know, just the weight of, you wake up and you feel the weight of the world in your shoulders and, and you, just, you just feel like you're that blind man, you know, in the, in the Bible stories who, who just is always, you know, can't see Christ until Christ is right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, you feel so lost sometimes. And basically the song is about, the chorus is about, uh, you know, even though I can't see you, Lord, even though I'm so frustrated and, you know, yada, 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 um, yeah. lead me to the river, you know? Like, it's really God's, God's duty to help you go where you need to go, you know? And it's just our obligation to say yes. So that's kind of what the song was, that's the direction the song was going in. Yeah, is uh, you you said that song songwriting and singing is definitely a way to to get it all out, um, but so is prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, absolutely. How much is prayer yeah. a part of your songwriting? Um, I think just like while I'm I'm songwriting, like it's more so God just allows me to, you know, translate those feelings into into you know, a song, but for me as an artist, you know, I'm not very, I think it's actually a very specific uh, talent to be able to write songs about God. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of, you know, more so I'm able to talk about everyday struggles yes. more so than, than, you know, praise and worship songs. Absolutely. But I, I find for myself, um, you know, I just sit there some days and I just turn on Audrey Assad or, you know, Matt Marr, and I just sit there and I yeah. just let the music yes. help me pray, you know? So, yeah. yeah, music is just so 
amazing in that way. No, it's <laughs> true, know? and and I don't think anybody would would listen to this album or any of your other stuff, but certainly these mm-hmm. songs and think, oh, she's a Christian artist. Do you do you see yourself as a Christian artist? Um, yeah, I I, I definitely do. I mean, I. I I don't think that having to be a Christian artist means that you have to have every single song, you know, about Christ. It's yeah. kind of like in your in your daily life when you interact with people. I mean, Christ usually is in every single conversation and every sentence. Although I'm I'm sure that's probably the way it's supposed to be, but yeah. but you know, it, it's it's just kind of a, a balance, right? Like trying to strike a balance between you know, your struggles, and then hope. Like, that's what I think I, I was able to capture in, in Leading Me to the River. I mean, mm-hmm. the verses are pretty are pretty depressed and despairing, right? And then the chorus is just like, oh, God, even though I'm despairing, like, I'm still holding on to you. Like, yes. don't worry. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all, I think it's just about balance. I, I, I do consider myself a Christian artist. Yeah. Now, do you consider yourself a jazz artist? Because I know that that's your passion. You love the music. You have a great mm-hmm. voice for jazz. And you're working on a new project, or you're hoping to work on a new project, your jazz album. Tell us about that. So, uh, this summer, we actually recorded a live off the floor uh, jazz album. Actually, it, it kind of is a landmark in. In history, because it's the first time that uh, something has been recorded in both binaural sound and 3D visual, uh, specifically tailored for the Oculus Rift, which is a, a gaming system. But it's it, it's to study. It was initially a project to study the effects of people fully submerged in 3D environments. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so so it's kind of it's kind of. You know, it has the music aspect, but it has kind of this scientific endeavor aspect to it. Uh, but we're just trying to get funding right now, actually, uh, for getting the album produced and, uh, you know, something in hand for our- ourselves. So I actually have a Kickstarter right now. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's, you know, wanting to help support me or, or you know, just interested in it, they can they can check out my, my Kickstarter. So After if you- that, I... Sorry, if people go to Kickstarter, they can search for mags, jazz. What? what how would they find it? It's probably it's probably easiest to go onto my Facebook page, www.facebook.com/slash/megs/the-singer, uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. and, and then you'll see it on there, and and the links on my page. Yeah. Yes. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. You lost me with Oculus, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so when people are funding your Kickstarter, they're funding just the album or the whole project the the scientific research project as well um they're funding specifically the production part of the you know producing an actual uh album so it's 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 the music part uh and the the other stuff is research stuff that's being handled at the university of waterloo so no one has to worry about that right now okay uh yeah so if if it's ten dollars or fifteen dollars or up of any pledge Uh uh-huh and then we'll send you a signed CD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of your incentive if you do, if you need an incentive. To no, it's great. I, I think Kickstarter is a great idea. Essentially, people are, are pre-purchasing a CD or more than one, mm-hmm. as, which is great. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really good opportunity to, to kind of get your foot in the door and get it, yeah. uh, you know, before it's even released. And it's it's all jazz. Yes, it's all jazz. It's, uh, you know, cla- it actually has some, some originals on there. 
uh, as well. So it's kind of a mixture of both. But okay, yeah. good. So originals are good because you're talented. Um, how would you say, <laughs> just to, to end then, for, so people can have a sense, is jazz, how would it compare with, with Mismatched in terms of um, style? The in album? terms of style, it's, it's actually quite uh, left field. I think my jazz voice is, is not completely different, but it's definitely a different tone and a different yeah. vibe completely. So... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, but on my on my Facebook page, I actually have a sample of the song on. If you click on the Kickstarter link, you can actually great. check out songs from it. Okay, yeah. good. That's good because oh, I'm excited. I want I want to hear some. Okay, so we're gonna leave it there. But uh, that's lots of information. Um, uh, good luck in what you're doing, and we're gonna keep promoting it and see if we can get you to reach your Kickstarter goal. Okay. Perfect. Thank okay. you so much. You're very welcome. You can learn more about Mags, the singer. You can purchase her music or you can find out how to support the Kickstarter campaign either at her Facebook page, Mags the Singer, but she also has a website, magsthesinger.com. And here now is Mags with that song that she mentioned, Knock, from her album, Mismatched. listening to Mags with Knock from her album Mismatched. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music all day long on our four online Salt and Light radio stations, which are made possible thanks to the wonderful support from artists like Mags. Just go to our website and learn how you can listen to online or on the go on your mobile devices. Remember that you can always reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro. Let me know what you think of what you hear on this show. Next week, we'll be speaking with Brother Guy Consolmagno from the Vatican Observatory about his book, Can You Baptize an Extraterrestrial? That should be a lot of fun. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. This program is completely free thanks to donations. So thank you for considering us when you make your charitable contributions. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.